Thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening with Talks with Gallagher. I have a very, very special guest, Dr. Henry Lewis, with us this evening. Uh, Dr. Henry Lewis is president and founder of Joshua International and is an international conference speaker, uh, specializes in apologetics, is a teacher and author, many of many books. Uh, he is an ordained uh, Sons of God minister and ordained rabbi, and his uh, descendant of Andrew uh, Murray. Uh, his vision is to awaken the church to the truth of God's word and bring revival. That is such a superb um, mission and mandate, uh, Dr. Lewis. And thank you so much for being on uh, with us this evening. Um, I feel very honored uh, that you would be on. And I believe you have a very important message to share with us this evening, uh, especially on the Middle East and especially on a book that you are, um, I believe, almost finishing. Um, and so I would like you to just dive right in real quickly here and just share with us what we need to know about the Middle East and how, as you know, uh, as believers, uh, we need to be aware um, and um, study and to uh, be Brians in this time regarding uh, this the current um, affairs that are happening uh, in the Middle East. Dr. Lewis. Yeah, the, you know, John, the Middle East is very, very important. And the, the Christians of the world have to start to look to the Middle East because things are happening in the area where the Bible was written. It wasn't written in America. It wasn't written in England. It wasn't written in France. It wasn't written in Russia. The Bible is a Middle Eastern book. Yes. And it's all about Middle Eastern geographical location. And many times we forget that. We think of the kings of the north, north of America. No, no. That's where we miss things. And that's why sometimes we get so confused over things. Yeah. And we've been taught for many, many years by sincere people, things pertaining to the end time that is not necessarily correct. Hmm. And we need to go back to where all this started. You know, this end time situation is a battle between two brothers. Mm. Do you realize that? Between Isaac and Ishmael, mm. the son of the free woman and the son of the, of the slave. And these two have been going at it ever since they were born. Mm. And it's going to end up with what we call the Battle of Armageddon. And we have to understand that Israel is the center point of the Bible. Yes. And it is where all the attention of the nations of the earth are going to be drawn to. And the kings of the north that the Bible speaks of is not north of America, not north of England, not north of China. It's north of Jerusalem. And north of Jerusalem is 55 Islamic nations hmm. that have vowed to push Israel into the sea and destroy it. Hmm. And if they come together, they will be able to produce a military might equal to China. Hmm. You're talking 200 million million foot soldiers, John. Wow. Can you imagine that? It's hard to, but and wow. And I mean that large. An army that large could walk over a nation the size of Israel. It wouldn't need tanks or planes. Mm. Just by the massive size of that army, mm. they could destroy the whole nation. Wow. Never mind tanks and planes and backing. You know, people say, well, no, Russia is the king of the north, and Russia is going to come down from the north. And no, Russia will support to military might uh, supplying tanks and planes and stuff like that. 
but the actual battle, the actual army of the kings of the north will be these Muslim nations coming together to destroy Israel. All right? It's small. I don't know. A lot of people may see it, may not see it. Mm-hmm. But you know the color of Muslim flags in every nation, in every Islamic nation? Mm-hmm. Green? Yeah. Red? Black, white. Where do you see these colors? The four colors of the horsemen of the apple. Okay. Oh, oh wow. All right. Okay. The crescent moon, which is a symbol of the Muslim nation, the Islamic nation, because mm-hmm. Allah was a moon god before Muhammad promoted him to being the only God. In fact, Allah originally was Ali, a female goddess. Hmm. Most people don't know that. Wow, that's interesting. And most Muslims don't know it. Hmm. But the symbol of the crescent moon with the star is the symbol of every false religion in the world. Hmm. Wicca, because Diana or Aphrodite or Venus or any one of the goddesses they choose to worship, symbol is the crescent moon and the star. Hmm. The Mormons, even the Roman Catholic Church, the crescent moon and the star. Things that we should be aware of that we really have no knowledge of. Now, some people may say, well, he's all over the place. No, there's some information that we need to understand. Yeah. Because the rise of the Antichrist, as Gentiles call him, or the Mohadin, which the Muslims call him, hmm. is very close. And for years and years and years, and some of the greatest biblical teachers have been trying to figure out who is this Antichrist? Hmm. Juan Carlos of Spain. No, no. Uh, Maybe the Prince or or the Prince of England, Charles. No. It was even once said that John Kennedy was going to raise from the dead. No, it's not John Kennedy. He's not the Prince of England, and it's not Juan Carlos of Spain. He is from the Middle East. Hmm. And in the Old Testament, God calls him by his title. He says, when he, the Assyrian, Hmm. comes into the promised land, I will raise up seven shepherds against him. And again, he says, fear not the Assyrian. But when he comes, I will break his rod of power. Hmm. Eight different times, God speaks against the Assyrian. Hmm. The Assyrian is the Antichrist. And he is from the nation of Assyria, from Western Syria, and from the Western Greek Empire. Hmm. And we've been looking at Rome all these years. Hmm. Because it says the prince or the people of the prince who is to come Hmm. will destroy Jerusalem. And in the end, will come against it. Hmm. And we all say, well, you know, the Roman Empire, uh, the Roman legionnaires entered the city of Jerusalem. It was the Roman legions that destroyed the temple and the city. But you know, not one person of the legions that came in, the third, the fifth, the eighth, and the tenth legions that came in, not one was a Roman citizen. They were all from Western Greece, from Western Syria, and from Assyria. So the people who are to come are not Romans. They're Islamic. You understand this? I'll yes. stop because if you have any questions, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. This is really fascinating. Uh, thank you for 
kind of piecing this uh, together and kind of looking at this from a, a bird's eye perspective um, of what's going on. Um, you know, there's been a recent announcement made, um, President of Turkey, Erdogan, you know, he uh, briefly said that he wants to um, rise the Ottoman Empire back. And, um, you know, what are your some of your thoughts on his recent announcement that he gave that was really um, uh, concerning, I think? <laughs> Thank you, John. This is very, very interesting because the longest reigning uh, uh, monarchy in history was not Rome. Rome lasted a thousand years and collapsed, but the Ottoman society lasted for 1500. Wow. And it was so powerful. It was Turkey that was the leading nation of it. It was so powerful that it was blackmailing America. We were paying them hmm. to leave our ships alone. Now, this is scripture speaking about the seven heads of the beast in the book of Revelation. And it says, I saw one of his heads wounded as with a sword. Hmm. And then the beast recovers. And everybody looks in amazement and says, wow, look at the beast. Who can stand against him? Who can make war against him? Now, the beast is not a man. The beast is a nation. Mm. Turkey was that beast. Mm. And it was finally defeated. And the Ottoman society was defeated when the Marines went into Turkey and defeated them, not with machine guns and tanks and planes, mm -hmm. but with swords. Hmm. That's where we get that song, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, we will fight our country's battle hmm. on the land, the air, and the sea. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Now, Turkey was the most powerful Islamic nation there was. Hmm. It was defeated, and it completely collapsed. Now, for 25 years, the nation of Turkey was America's ally. And then just recently, it's turned its back on America. All right? It is yeah. the most politically strong, financially wealthy nation in the world. It is coming back to power, and every other Islamic nation is looking to Turkey to model themselves after it. Hmm. It has declared itself to be an enemy of the United States of America. Hmm. And we're missing a lot of things because we're not looking to the Middle East to understand what is happening. Yeah. Okay? Because isn't it strange that the Vatican, along with the leading Imen of the Sunni religion of the Muslims, have come together in agreement hmm. to form a union of religious nation, you can say. Hmm. And isn't it amazing? Here's a little factor that people don't know. In Holyoke, Massachusetts, in a hospital called Mercy Hospital, there was an image of the Madonna in one of the windows. And these two large groups came to worship this image. Hmm. So the, when the reporters got there, they asked the smaller of the two groups who they were and why they were there. Hmm. And a spokesperson said, we are Roman Catholics, and we have come to witness the Madonna, the hmm. Lady of Fatima. And the reporter said, oh, okay. Then they went over to this other group that was even larger. And they said to them, who are you? Are you Roman Catholics? And they went, no, we are Muslims. And we have come here to worship Fatima, hmm. Mohammed's, Mohammed's favorite daughter, Fatima has drawn the Catholics and the Muslims together. Hmm. Okay? 
And the lady of Fatima, and I know I'm going to make a lot of people angry with me, but truth is truth. That's the okay. lady of Fatima was not the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary was a wonderful person, but she is not equal to Jesus Christ. And she is not co-mediator with Christ or co-savior with Christ. She did not shed her blood as Christ shed her blood. And these images that they have seen time and time ago, again, is not the Virgin Mary. It is a demonic spirit or a principality imitating and causing chaos throughout the world and keeping people in superstitious darkness. Hmm. And I have to say that. But this Fatima, the name Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad and the so-called parent of the of the Virgin Mary in 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 Portugal, this particular name is drawing these two religions together. Hmm. Now, we know that the Bible talks about a political leader in the end time that will dominate the world. We call him the Antichrist or the son of perdition. But the world that he is going to dominate is the geographical location of the time of the writing of the book of Revelation. In other words, he will control the whole entire Middle East. Hmm. Okay? Okay. But it will not really control all other nations, but it will influence, it will touch these nations, okay? We will be influenced by his control and his power. And nations are going to give their authority over to him, all right? Because he will be a military genius and an economic genius, but he will be the political leader. But we have a second beast that is coming up in the book of Revelation, right? Yeah. John? Okay. The second beast is a false prophet. Mm. Okay. Who will draw the religions of the world together. Who is this false prophet? Well, once again, I'm going to get people mad. He will be a renegade pope. Mm. Not this one here. But the last two popes, isn't this amazing? We have two popes still alive. Never before has this ever happened that we know of. Maybe, maybe years ago, centuries ago. But you have yeah, what was this? Uh, Benedict XVI, okay, Pope Benedict XVI. Mm-hmm. He was brought in to return the Roman Catholic Church back to its original theology. Then he resigned, and this Pope now has come in because he has a much easier personality. He's a more likable person, and he's able to draw everyone together under his leadership. Now, I believe there's one more Pope waiting in the wings, and if he comes in, that's according to Malachi, a former monk of the Roman Catholic Church, who wrote a history of every pope that was, not only their their name that they took, but also the symbol that they had. And he said the last pope that is to come will be called Petra of Romanus or Peter of Rome. Hmm. Okay. So the first pope was supposed to be Peter, the disciple who never went to, uh, to Rome. But instead it was, if you read the story in the New Testament about the other Peter, the magician that Peter rebuked, and he said to Peter, pray for me that this does not happen. And that Peter went to Rome and he became the the first, what we call the first papa or first pope of the Roman Catholic Church. Study history, look in history. You'll find some amazing things that makes you go like, wow, how did I miss this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was looking, I believe it was in the book of Haggai, or I don't know, one of the one of the prophets, when it spoke about the three nations, okay, that would come against Israel in the end time. All right. It said it had the the, the head of a lion, it had the, the part of a bear. 
and uh, the hoofs of a goat. Mm. And I said, well, wait a minute, where's Rome? Because Rome was not in these three nations, but Greece was in it, Babylon, and Mede and the Persians was in it. And these are the three nations that will join force together and come against with the help of the Islamic nations, the nation of Israel. Hmm. Now we remember the story of Alexander the Great and how he conquered everybody in, you know, in a relatively short time. Then as a young man, I believe he was 33 years old, died from appendicitis and his domain, his kingdom was divided into four different kingdoms. And the strongest of them all was Silicus, the general, and I believe it was Greece that was the most powerful. Hmm. And like I said, it went along with Syria and Assyria. So you're going to see that rise up again. And I want the people to be aware of things that are happening around you right now. You know, people talking about this vaccination they're going to give you, and there's supposed to be this little teeny chip in it. That's not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is a symbol on the forehead or on the right hand. And I've heard a lot, a lot of things about what it's going to be. Someone's talking about a, a special battery in the right hand with this mark that they can read. But you know what's funny? What? If you go into the Middle East, into Islamic nations, and you look at the loyal, the fanatical, the dedicated Muslim, those are willing to be involved in jihad, you know, holy war. Mm -hmm. You'll yep. notice upon their forehead a tattoo. And it is the name of Allah. It says, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And that in Arabic, you know what it looks like? 666. Oh, wow. And the only places you find them marked is on the forehead or on the right hand. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's a sign of devotion to Allah and to Muhammad. Hmm. Now, I was captured twice by the Muslim Brotherhood. Wow. And they did, not, they did not like the idea that I stated Allah is not God. He is Satan or Satan. And Muhammad is in hell where pedophiles belong. Hmm. And this is true. I don't know if you ever read the Quran. I read parts of it. Yeah. But it is not the whole is not a holy book. Mm -hmm. And never once in the whole book do you see anywhere where Allah loves anyone. Mm. And yet Allah tells the loyal people, the faithful Muslim, it is okay for you to deceive the kaifa or the infidel. Mm. It is okay for you to lie to him. It is okay for you to kill the infidel or the kaipa, the unbeliever. Is this a religion of love? I don't think so. I think we need to be aware of what is happening. Look what happened on 9-11. Mm -hmm. We are still considered the great Satan by the Islamic nations, okay? They would love to see this country of ours destroyed. And we have a man who is running for president. I won't mention no names, but he made this statement publicly. So it's okay that I can repeat it. Mm -hmm. He said, the first thing I will do when I become president is lift the ban of immigrations 
against the Muslims. Hmm. In other words, he's going to let the Muslims come into this country in force. And that was like Israel inviting the Assyrians into Israel. Hmm. You got men like Jonathan Khan, a rabbi from New York, tremendous man with great knowledge. You got another man who's a former Muslim terrorist. Him and his son are incredible with their knowledge. He is Walid, W-A-L-I-D, Shubat, S-H-O-E-B-A-T, and his son, who the uh, liberal press and liberal religions of this country is trying to dishonor. Theodore was 16 years old. He wrote a book called In the Footsteps of Satan, one of the most incredible knowledge books on the unity of all religions in the world that I ever read, written by a 16-year-old boy. Wow. Okay. His dad wrote a book called God's War on Terror. Hmm. One of the best books you will ever read about end time, written from a Middle Eastern mind. Wow. And what people have to understand, the Jewish mind... And the Islamic mind were different than the American mind. They are Middle Eastern, and they understand things differently than we do. And guess what? The Bible is a Middle Eastern book. (laughs) Yes. Written by Jews. And that's what always gets me when someone stops me because I wear the Megana Davi, or you call it the Star of David. And they say, you're a Jew. Yes. Oh, you know what you are? And I got to hear how my people killed Christ. And, and I say, you know what? Actually, both my people are guilty because the Italians and the Jews worked together. The Jews delivered them over to the Italians and the Italians nailed them to the cross. But you understand, Jesus was a Jew. Yes. And all his disciples were Jews. And the Bible is a Jewish book. Yes, there are Jewish believers in the Messiah. Yes. And I thank God for every Jewish person that comes to Christ. And I thank God that we have been responsible for 6,800 Muslims coming to receive the Messiah. Amen. (laughs) And that's not because we're great. That's because God did it through us. Yeah. God and God alone draws a man to Christ. But we are thankful that we have been an instrument to be used by the Lord, to be able to draw these people. And when you walk through an Islamic nation and you look at our brothers and sisters and you see what they have to endure every day of their life. And then you come back here to this country and you see what these people have and what they complain about. Mm -hmm. Brother, it'll break your heart. Yeah. You sit around these people and they smell funny because they only have one pair of clothes. Hmm. Okay. Okay, And a lot of them, 75% are illiterate because it's against the law to train a Christian to give them an education in the Islamic nation. Oh, wow. So they come and listen and they memorize everything you say about scriptures. Wow. Everything. And they go every day, no matter what happens. No matter the persecution, the hardships, the trials, the tribulation, and every day they praise God. Wow. Okay. That's what's going to take. If we're going to endure the times that is coming on us, we're going to need that kind of faith. We're going to need to rise up. They use a song saying, when your troubles come your way, lift your head up and 
praise God every day. Okay, that's what we have to do. Amen. The sacrifice that God wants from his people is the sacrifice of obedience and praise. Yeah. I haven't even let you have a chance, brother. Go ahead and talk. Yeah. Well, you're sharing a lot of gold nuggets here, wisdom nuggets, and uh, really important insights. Um, yeah. One of the questions I have that I'm sure people are wondering about watching this is how do we have a conversation with a Muslim? Um, and, you know, um, not necessarily in an evangelistic uh, manner, but more in a matter of establishing trust, you know, to ultimately be, uh, you know, a shining light, uh, you know, for them and planting a seed um, in their heart to come to uh, the, Jesus. John, to reach out to a Muslim or a Hindu or anyone like that which are involved in many different religions throughout this world, okay? Uh, I learned a long time ago, we had a ministry for many, many years, reaching out to people that are involved in the occultic world. Hmm. And at first I did what every minister does, where I told them why they were going to hell. And then one day the Lord said, don't you think they're smart enough to know why they're going to go to hell? You need to tell them how to avoid that. Hmm. So then I began to speak to them and I began to complimenting them on their faith, but then also began to say, you know what? You have great faith. You honestly believe in what you believe, but in the end, do you realize that you are being deceived? And my concern is someone so faithful as you, could die and end up in a place you don't want to be in. Hmm. But I do know of a God, if you put your faithfulness in him, like you do in this false God or goddess, he will be sure to deliver you and to keep you to the very end. And you will end up in a place that is greater than anything you've ever dreamed of. And once we stop condemning them, and started to speak to them in love and in compassion. Yeah. Many, many, many. I mean, one Halloween night in Salem, Massachusetts, my wife and I had the privilege of leading 22 witches to the Lord. Wow. Praise God. <laughs> okay. I mean, our ministry has been to people that most people don't go to. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, we do speak in any church that calls us. We don't limit them to numbers of people there or anything. All we ask is that you help get us there. And whatever you can give as a love offering, okay, is fine. But we are interested in souls. And then once we get somebody saved, John, we're interested in bringing them into the maturity of the things of the kingdom of God. It is our job to bring the people of Christ up to maturity where they can stand on their own. You understand? Yes. You know, I see churches that run 12,000, you know, 15,000, and they hold on. No, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to raise up strong believers. And then when you notice there's a person in that congregation that has a gift or a calling, to be a pastor, you send him out with a group of people near his location to start another church and you bless them and cover them. Yeah. This is what discipleship is about. Right. We are to make disciples of Christ, not of you, John. You're a nice guy. <laughs> but I don't want 1,200 Johns walking around, okay? Okay, amen and I to that. I don't want that many of me walking around. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because then I would beg for the rapture. Please, Lord, get me out of this mess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I want yeah. people who have the compassion and the maturity of Christ within them. And right. you know what's amazing? Years and years ago, God revealed to me, I don't have to depend upon my own knowledge, my own ability. He said, for I am giving you the mind of Christ. Mm. And Christ's mind doesn't have any problems. 
He's not bipolar. He's not schizo. He's not manic depressed. It is the strongest mind there is. And if you continue to put his word within you, it will bring peace to your mind, strength to your mind, wisdom to your mind. It will change the way you respond to the world. It yeah. will move, remove hate from you. It will remove bitterness and judgment from you. Yeah. Now, sin is sin. But know the difference between a sin and a fruit. There's one sin. Well, if you want, you can say two at the most. Disbelief and disobedience. Hmm. If you don't believe that Jesus is Lord, then you're not saved. Hmm. If you don't obey the Lord, you're not saved. But once you give your heart to Jesus, then you have a plant within you called the Holy Spirit. And as you let him grow within you, to mature within you, he bears the fruits of the Spirit within you. Love, joy, peace, patience. You know, you've heard it, right? Yes. Amen. Yes. First Corinthians 13. Yeah. That. That proves to you whether or not the nature of Christ is within the person. Now, these things that we, we call sin, homosexuality, murder, lying, adultery, fornication, witchcraft, all this stuff, these are fruits. Mm. And while you are in the flesh and walking in disobedience, you are developing the fruits of your father, the devil. Hmm. So if you have a tree in your backyard that is growing fruits that you don't want, you don't pick the fruit off the tree and leave the tree there. You remove that tree once and for all. And by removing that tree, you remove the fruits, right? Right. Amen. Yes. This is what repentance does to us. When we truly kneel at the altar or in your secret place, mm -hmm. and you turn your life over to Christ, he takes out this tree of disobedience and rebellion from you and puts in a new seat. Amen? Amen. Maybe Amen. that's not what you want to do, but that's what we need to know in our life. Yeah, amen. And, you know, how can we have revival without repentance first? So that's so important. Right. And I know yeah. you wrote a book on the five-fold ministry. Um, I'm yes. just, yes, I'm wondering, how do you see the five-fold ministry um, working in the Middle East? Since we're still, you know, have a theme on that uh, in our conversation. How do you see the well, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor working as a team in the Middle East? I see it working well. I work with a group of international men. You wouldn't know any of them because most of them don't want to be known. I know one brother, okay, he was a former Muslim. He has the most incredible mind I've ever seen in my life. This man has one of these memories where he can't forget nothing. And he knows the entire Bible verbatim from Genesis to Revelation in five five different versions of the Bible. And wow. he knows the Quran complete. He was a former Muslim. Okay, in fact, he was a great grandson to the right-hand man of uh, Muhammad, Abu Bakr, okay? And and this, this, this man is incredible. He was preaching one day in a Muslim nation, okay? Sure. They literally stabbed him 40 times. You could see the mm. scars all over his body and stoned him. Wow. And God raised him. And he went right back in the same village and continued to preach. Raised him from the dead? Raised him from the dead. Wow. There's another young man who was the son of the leader of Islamic uh denomination for less a better word to say he went to Mecca to do his pilgrimage hmm. 
And on his way to the to the mosque, he heard a voice saying, Yochanan, Allah is Satan, and Muhammad is in hell. Now it wasn't me, it was the Lord Himself. And he stopped and he looked around and he said to his bodyguards, did you hear that? They went, no, no, hear what? Did you hear that voice? He went, no. Three times he said to him, Yochanan, Allah is Satan, Muhammad is in hell. Oh, he turned around and he ran back to his hotel, packed everything and told his bodyguards, we are leaving, we're going back. They said, you can't do this. You haven't made your pilgrimage. He said, no, no, we're going back. Hmm. Well, the voice convinced him where he gave his heart to Jesus. Make a long story short, his father crucified him upside down. He died on the cross. Oh, wow. They took his body down, threw him in a ditch. Three days later, the father said to his bodyguards and the people, he said, you know, Yochanan was a prince. It is not right that he lies with the Kaifo, the infidel. Let's go and we'll bury him. When the father got to the grave, Yochanan sat up, sat up and looked his father in the face and said, Father, Allah is Satan. And Muhammad is in hell. And his father started to scream at Yochanan, you are a jinn. You are a jinn. Now, a jinn is a demon. Hmm. And he said, no, father, I'm not. Jesus, Yahshua, has raised me. Well, he ended up leading his father, his mother, all his family to the Lord. Wow. The village killed every one of them but John. John escaped. Well, that's his American name, John. But Yochanan, Abu, I've seen many cases of people where the Lord has done miraculously for these people, where the Lord has appeared to them in the mosque and delivered them from bondage. But the team of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers that I work with in these nations like Egypt, Nicaragua, okay, Nigeria. Yeah. These people help to bring them up to maturity. Hmm. Okay? okay. And they're there to do as much as they can. All right. I came back after my first visit to Egypt and I asked a certain organization if they would send. Bibles, Arabic Bibles to Egypt because I know the needs. And they just looked at me and said, there's no profit in that. Hmm. Okay. That's but the fivefold ministry, yeah. the fivefold ministry is necessary. Yes. But I have seen people who proclaim to be apostles <laughs> that don't even look like they're saved. <laughs> yeah, preach it. <laughs> and I had one person come to me in the Dakotas and said, the generals have appointed me as an apostle. Hmm. And I looked at her and I said, you don't even know the scriptures. Hmm. She said, well, they have appointed me. I said, well, where are they to teach you and instruct you? She said, well, they're too busy. And she said, I, I want to know, can I come under you? I said, no. You belong to someone else. And you need to get a hold of them and say, if you're going to proclaim that I am this, then you need to make sure that God has called me to be this. Because, John, whether you believe this or not, it's left up to you. If you take a title that God has not given you, you have stolen from God. Hmm. If you go around proclaiming that you are a prophet or an apostle and God has not called you there, 
and God not God has not tested you to see if you have what is necessary mm-hmm. to fill this position, and you are in danger of being beaten up by the enemy mm. because you have no covering. Mm. Understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. This is really, really important. Yes. Okay. You look at an apostle and I think one of the best, and I pray this all the time to God, John, Lord, let me have the intelligence and knowledge and understanding of Paul. Mm. (laughs) But let me have the compassion of Barnabas. Mm. Because Barnabas was a man that could take a broken person and make him whole. Someone that was useless and make him a blessing. Remember John and the battle that Paul and Barnabas had over John? Paul wanted nothing to do with the young man because the young man got homesick and wanted to go home. And he refused to go anywhere with John. And he went his separate way with Silas. And Barnabas took John and went his way. And the way you listen to people, you think that Barnabas was forgotten by God. No. Years later, when Paul is an older man and he's in prison, he says what? Send John. For he alone is profitable to me. What made the difference? a man called Barnabas. Who wow. was the one that made Paul Paul? Barnabas. A man called Barnabas. Yeah. We need Barnabas in our life. That's right. Men who yeah. look at younger men and say, there is a call in this man's life and there's an anointing greater than mine's. Let me help him to become who God wants him to become. Yes. I have a small group of ex-Muslim men in Switzerland and in Belgium. My whole thing is just to help them as much as I can to grow in the word of God. And I know they have a strong anointing in their life. And it's not for me to bring them up to my level. No, it's to bring them higher than me. Right. Because they're going to need a greater anointing than I have. Yeah. And I look and see where is the young lions that I can trust or put a hunger in them Mm. to serve God. Yes. You know, if everything they say is right about our ministry, my wife and me, we're very small. (laughs) And uh, but they say that we have led at least 6,800 Muslims to the Lord and 775,000 Hindus to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank God. But how much more can these young men do? With their knowledge. When I talk to them about the things I shared with you about the Middle East and the Mohadin, they sit and tell me, Brother Lewis, what you are saying is correct. Mm. This is true. And this is what is happening. And they would know because they come out from this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I hope I didn't confuse you too much tonight. Oh, no, not at all. This has been terrific. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, these are really important truths that we need to um, reflect upon. And, you know, it's funny, like we hear a lot about, you know, um, the, yeah. you know, Calls and the and the apostolic calls, but we don't necessarily hear about, like you said, those that see the call at the Genesis and pour and mentor mm-hmm. and disciple those that have that calling that may not necessarily see it in themselves or have the courage to um, rise to that uh, calling fully. And so, yeah, that's just uh, tremendous, Dr. Lewis. That. Um, you are um, rising up and raising up, uh, you know, young emerging apostolic leaders in this hour uh, to uh, bring uh, a hugely significant kingdom impact in different parts of the world. And that's fantastic. And thank you for modeling that and being an example for, for others as well. 
You know, John, in, in, in these last days here, um, my wife is in 40 years of ministry, in the last 30 years, with a woman who is truly a prophetess of God. I have not seen her miss one prophecy. I mean, some of them took eight years, some took 10 years to come to pass, but they all came to pass. We have people calling us all the time. You know, when Pat said to me years and years ago, she said, I didn't believe it. I thought she was talking. But all this has come true. And my mm-hmm. wife is very concerned on what is going on in these end times. Yeah. With this uh, Corona virus, 19 virus and all like that. But mm-hmm. these are signs that the Bible are talking about plagues that are coming upon this earth. Okay. Yeah. Situations, storms, earthquakes, things that are warning signs that right now in this particular time, it is the time for the churches to preach the message of the day. And that message is repent for the kingdom of God draws not. Yeah, the John the Baptist call. Yeah. Yes. Never mind the socialistic friendly uh <laughs> Gospel they're preaching. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep my words right. Yeah, and, the secret uh, friendly gospel, I think, is what you're referring to. Yeah, secret friendly gospel is only going to let you sit in the congregation comfortable with your donut and coffee, <laughs> listen to fairy tales, and you end up in hell and wonder how you got there because you listen to stupidity. Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear about sin. People don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about picking up the cross. They don't want to hear about the blood of Jesus or the cross that you need to pick up and carry, okay? It's time for us to get serious and get back to the scriptures and see what God is saying. You know, we talk about tongues and praise God for tongues. It's your prayer language. It is a language of men and the language of angels. But the language of God is not tongues. The language of God is the Bible. And when you speak to God, you speak his language. When you pray, you pray his language, not your language or your opinion. You use the word, Lord, I've been praying for salvation for my loved ones. And you say in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 38 down, that salvation is not only for me, but it's for my loved ones and unto all those who are far off that are called according to your purpose, Lord. So I know, Lord, that if I walk with you in faithfulness and obey you, that you will save my loved ones. And I thank you that you will do this, for you are a God that must keep his promise. And the promises of God are yea and amen. That's what God wants to hear. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can to tell them God wants a relationship with you. Yes. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens, I will come in and sup with him, and him with me. And everybody says that salvation, that is a step higher than salvation. Mm. That is your marriage contract with the Lord. Mm. If you understood the Jewish marriage, the father and the son comes into the house of the woman that the son is engaged to. And they sit down. They have a meal together. And they work out the contract. And they sealed the deal with three glasses of wine. At every phrase, at the end, they have a glass of wine together. But there's a fourth glass that is not drunk until the marriage supper, where the groom drinks it with his bride. Okay? Okay. That is, God is saying, I want to come in and have a contract with you. Not only as a saved person, but as my bride, a member of my bride. Amen. Yes. You know, when Jesus was asked the question, 
He said, when will these the disciples said, when will all these things happen? He said, no man knoweth, not the angels in heaven, not even the son. Disciples did not ask anymore because they understood the engagement, the Jewish engagement. You see, when the son and the father leaves the presence of the woman to be the wife, they go back and the son of the, the bridegroom-to-be says to his wife-to-be, I go now to prepare a place for you, and when it is finished, I will come and take you to myself. Now, he goes home with his father, and he builds a bridal chamber onto his father's house. But it's not the son who makes the decision whether or not the bridal chamber is finished. Only the father can do that. So the father comes out and inspects the chamber. And if it meets his expertise, he then says to his son, go and get your bride. That's the rapture, brother. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you understand the Jewish engagement and the Jewish marriage, you will understand the book of Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And people need to study Daniel. They need to study the minor prophets. They need to get to Ezekiel and Isaiah. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people say to me, well, Brother Lewis, you know, all that genealogy. I have, you know what, read the genealogy and then look at the names of the grandfathers, then the fathers, and then the son, and you will understand the condition of mankind because the grandfather's name all have something to do with glorifying God. The father's name has something to do with something about God, but it's not so much glorifying, and the son's name has nothing whatsoever to do with God. So you see the decline to the genealogy of the names. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Okay. So these are things that, you know, don't, don't get upset because, oh, wow, so-and-so begins, so-and-so, so-and-so begins. Study it. You might right. see a revelation. Yes. You might understand something. Yes. And not to confuse you, but study Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then you read next, and the earth was without form and void, and the waters covered the face of the earth. What happened? What happened? Maybe the next time you invite me on, we'll talk about that, okay? Okay, yeah, I would love to have you on again. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, Wow, so much just packed of such wisdom and truth uh, this evening with Dr. Henry Lewis. Um, I have some more questions, but I know we're getting to the hour here. <laughs> so um, we, we'll, we'll... You can you know, ask questions. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I would love to have you on again um, in the near future, Dr. Lewis, and... Yeah, talk about that as well. Um, just maybe real quick, the question I have just real quick is uh, we're in a couple of weeks, we're entering into a new Hebrew year, 5781. What are just some of your thoughts yeah. for, you know, kingdom believers to, um, you know, take note of as we come into this new uh, Hebrew year? Well, the best thing I can say is we're coming into a new year. And we're getting closer to the time of Jacob's trouble, mm. which has nothing to do with Gentiles. It is called the time of Jacob's trouble because it has to do with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Mm. It's the seven years of the great tribulation on the face of the earth. That's what you know it as. So now is the time to pray for the peace of Jerusalem or the peace of Israel. But understand the peace of Israel and Jerusalem is a person. His name is Yeshua, or Jesus, as you say. And we are to pray for the peace and for the return of the Messiah. And understand, we owe the Jewish nation a lot because it was from the Jewish nation 
that the Jewish Messiah came. And because they rejected him, he came to us or he came to you Gentiles, okay? And okay. gave you a chance to be grafted in. Amen? Amen. And the Gentiles being grafted into the Jewish olive tree, hmm. we were grafted in to give new life to the Jewish people. You know, in Israel, or if you have olive trees, when they get about 50 years old, they begin to die. Hmm. You know how you save their life? You cut off a, a branch of a wild olive tree and you graft it in. Oh, and wow. that wild branch gives new life to the old tree. Wow. The Jewish people's rejection of the Messiah gave us life. But with our prayers for the nation of Israel, we give them life back. Okay? Okay. Amen. Uh, so, Dr. Lewis, where can people find uh, your ministry and your books and your resources? Okay. My halewis.org. They can turn to that. And you'll find about my ministry, and you'll also find out about the different books I've I wrote. I've got about 12 of them, I, I believe, right now. Okay. Okay. Now, I my, my testimony is written in a, uh, a friction form because hmm. the Lord said most people won't believe that any man had the authority and the power that you had in the occultic world. Hmm. And a lot of people have read my book, have come and told me you're a non you're modern day Moses. Hmm. God let you be raised in the house of Pharaoh until he finally said no more. And I thank God he delivered me from it. I really do. Wow. Uh, but the other books are all teaching books. Uh, Okay. I got a book that I kind of like. It's called The Secret Names of the Strong Man. Hmm. Okay. And what these particular spirits, these principalities, I'm not talking about demons. Demons are a different thing than a fallen angel. Sure. And we'll have to go through all that another time. Another time, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a really good book where if you, if you get this book, you can read it, and it tells you how these spirits operate in your life. And, uh, you know, in the end, it has a, uh, a comparison of three religions, Voodoo, African Voodoo, Santeria, which is a uh, Spanish form of Voodoo, and the Roman Catholic Church, and it ties them all together. Wow. It's, it's, it is interesting. I like that. And then I have the Run to the Battle, and like you said, the Fivefold Ministry, and a book on Nimrod and a book on Jezebel. Uh, I got tired of hearing about all these women that have the Jezebel spirit. Well, Jezebel also had a spirit within her, okay? And it's a demonic spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's the spirit of Baal, the god that she worshipped, and Ashtoreth, the goddess that she worshipped. These principalities inhabited her mm. and ended up destroying her life and her ending in hell. And these same principalities... It's not Jezebel. Jezebel is dead and in hell. But these principalities are alive and well on the planet Earth. Okay? Wow. Well, everyone, you need to check out Dr. Henry Lewis's books. And I know you can also find them on Amazon um, as well in both in paperback and in uh, Kindle format. So thank you so much, Dr. Henry Lewis for joining us this evening. Um, oh, you've had something else to share? Yeah, just one simple thing is the books are written in Arabic. Oh, in French. Really? Yes. And now they're being done in uh, Brazilian Portuguese. And the oh, terrific. Okay. And the testimony is being done that way too. Okay. Oh, and I have this favorite book because of my the woman that did the uh, picture on the cover was an 11-year-old girl. It's, it's called The Lion and the Lamb, Dispensation of the Lion and the Lamb. Wow. And it's talking a little bit about why Jesus had to come as a lamb before he came as a lion. Mm. 
All right. And I will say this, folks. You don't want to be here facing the lion of the tribe of Judah when he comes. Mm. Because if you are here and you're facing the lion and you're not behind him, then you are an enemy mm. of that lion. Okay? Yes. Thank okay. You. Thank you for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you on, Dr. Henry Lewis, and thank you again for sharing everything that you shared. Uh, so many things that were so vital, important as believers, we need to hear and to apply in our lives with repentance and being aware of the Middle East and everything else that you shared even more. So thank you again, everyone, for watching and um, have a great evening and stay tuned for the next uh, time. Thank you, everyone. Bye okay. now. Thank you. Bye-bye.